you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addison's. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. It is day two, which is our last broadcast day at the Texas Homeschool Convention. And, man, we've got a full round table. Like, I don't know. Patty, can you see here? This is what it looks like to everyone who's watching online. Can you see, Hannah? Okay. So we we are broadcasting from the Woodlands, and uh, we're talking about today on the program Grit and respect and perseverance. So that's what we're looking at. And each of these segments are going to kind of unpack that a little bit. And starting us off, we have Patty Garibay, who is the founder and executive director of American Heritage Girls. Our audience is so familiar with your work and so familiar with when we have you on to talk about cultural issues that impact women in our culture and girls in our culture and how we respond to that. So, Patty, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners just a little bit about kind of the background of American Heritage Girls. And then also we've got another special guest. Hannah Reynolds joins us as an alumna of American Heritage Girls, and she's going to talk about her experience. I'm going to turn this mic this way. Absolutely. It is a pleasure to be back with you and your listening audience. American Heritage Girls was started in 1995, quite a long time ago, as a result of cultural issues. And that was the Girl Scouts. Um, Girl Scouts changing their Girl Scout promise to no longer mandate an oath to God. And there was just so much more moral relativism in their handbooks, uh, a strange way that they dealt with sexuality. And actually, today we're seeing all of that come to fruition. Yes. All the things that they stood for. And so I I guess you might say American Heritage Girls was created for a time such as this. Yes. And now more than ever, girls are confused, they're lonely, they have anxiety, they're fearful, they're wondering about their own gender, and they need to have a biblical worldview to be the antidote to all of this. Amen. You know, Patty, the thing that always strikes me about your testimony of the Lord kind of calling you to this work is the amount of discernment that was required on your part. Because I think back in the 90s, right, mid to late 90s, there would have been so many people who would have said, no, the Girl Scouts, no, it's fine. Like, you're, you're much ado about nothing, nothing to see here. Let's just continue on. But I think having that discernment to see the subtle shifts that were happening and to, to be able to understand where this ultimately goes is required of people who will be on the front lines in today's culture wars. Oh, it absolutely. It was unbelievable to me because I really was not that long in my walk, Miki. Yeah, wow. I, I had just been born again at, at the age of 28. I started this in thir- at the age of 35. Wow. And I believe it was a gift of the Lord to be able to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. But I do believe it's all come to fruition for a time such as this. Yeah, absolutely. I was yesterday, I think I, I wandered up. We're here at the um, Waterway Marriott. And I wandered up to the some of the convention rooms, and you were having a meeting with some troop members, and you were talking to them about grit and about perseverance. Can you share with our audience just a taste of what you shared with them? And I think something that might be so encouraging to moms who are listening and considering what their involvement might be in American Heritage Girls, like, what would they get? 
But, you know, I was talking about this, the idea of something being fast and easy versus important and hard Mm. and you know today's kids want it fast and easy because at their fingertips they've got a a phone that knows more than their parents would ever know Mm -hmm. you know and they Mm -hmm. could easily get any answer that they need from that phone they don't need to ask mom and dad Mm. so the fast and easy is the way kids are doing things generally today what I am trying to explain to them is what is difficult becomes important because that's because we put our blood sweat and tears that's what we're proud about that's it and you what's really cool today we have a woman with us a young alumna Mm -hmm. Hannah Reynolds who did something that was hard and important and that is our highest award called the Stars and Stripes Award only 1800 girls in the history of American Heritage Girls and that's been hundreds of thousands of girls have earned this esteemed award because it was hard and important wow okay so I want to hear from Hannah here but Before we make the shift, let me just ask this question because I think for our listeners who may not be familiar with the level of involvement, can we share just really quickly, because then we're going to get your testimony of being a part of this, the logistics of it. So like if a parent is listening, a mom is listening right now and she's got daughters who would be in the age range where they can be involved. And remind me of the age range again, Patty. Ages 5 to 18. 5 to 18. Okay, so chances are we have many moms who are listening who have girls in this age range what do they need to know? How do they learn more about American Heritage Girls? Well, first, it's best to visit our website, mm-hmm. AmericanHeritageGirls.org. On the top right-hand corner, you can see how to start a troop. And we, we start troops with churches because we believe we need spiritual oversight. And the church is the place to go. And so churches say, I want to extend my membership. I want to disciple more, more people. I want to bring glory to God. And I want to do the Great Commission. Oh, awesome. And when you say, check, check. This is this is a great ministry for that purpose. And then otherwise, if you're not able or your church isn't interested, you can join a troop, too. Yes. Now, there's a lot of troops, but they're very full. But you can try your luck that way and oh, wow. see. You know, but first of all, pray. I mean, this is all around prayer. Prayer to start, prayer to enter. You yeah. know, it's all very important. And Hannah has a great story about her mom being that prayerful warrior. Hannah Reynolds, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you just kind of jumping in. We kind of threw this out at you and said, hey, why don't you come and share your experience being a part of American Heritage Girls? So go ahead and share with us what your experience was like. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I remember approaching my mom probably third or fourth grade, and I was like, I really want to join Girl Scouts. And my mom looked at me, she's like, heck no. <laughs> because of all of the agenda, everything that, that was everything going on. that was going on. And she's like, I don't want you joining that. And and being indoctrinated at such a young age. And so she had heard of American Heritage Girls because we were homeschooled. Um, and she's like, let me look into this. And so she started looking into it and she's like, maybe I can start a troop. Um, and she did a lot of praying and she actually partnered with my now Stars and Stripes advisor. Um, and she formed our troop at Houston's First Baptist Church. Um, and she and now we have four Stars and Stripes recipients in our troop um, and we're couple years old so we're not that old and now we have four recipients and it's just amazing what God can do um, and just through American Heritage Girls. So explain to me what is required of a troop member to receive that type of award the Stars and Stripes Award like explain to me what that is. Yeah so um, it's been I think two years since I received it Um, I just finished my first year of college at Patrick Henry College in Virginia 
Um, Incredible. Yeah, it's a conservative, conservative Christian school, which follows along American Heritage Girls. Um, and there are actually a lot of colleges um, are very surprised when they see Stars and Stripes because of all the hard requirements that it entails, which um, some of it is um, you have to do 18 badges. Um, you have to have a minimum of 100 hours of work on the project. Um, and you have to serve a Christian community. That's mm. part of the project details. Um, and part of the project is doing a construction type level project. So for me, I did two, uh, two wooden benches that were put on a sand volleyball court that I constructed. It was 72 tons of sand in wow. that volleyball court. <laughs> yeah. That I got for free because I was working with American Heritage, Heritage Girls. And so they're like, you're working with AHG. So they gave 72 tons of sand, which are like $2,000 for free. Wow, so. that's incredible. Now talk about your experience and the way it shaped your character and your yeah. understanding of what it is to be a Christian woman in 21st century America. How did American Heritage Girls really aid in your understanding and being anchored in who you are in Christ? Right. So... Um, I started AHG because I wanted to learn those life skills that AHG um, has has been teaching girls for, for years now. Yes. Um, and so going into the Stars and Stripes Award, I knew it wouldn't be easy. Like, it's not meant to be easy at all. My brother um, went through the Eagle Award, got his Eagle, and we're told that the Stars and Stripes is harder than Eagle. We're like, nah, it can't be because Eagle's been around for so long. And then I do it, and we're like, it's definitely harder than Eagle. <laughs> um, just because it's, it's teaching you that persevering um, skill that's meant to be learned through life. Yeah, um, and so good. I had to really lean, in, lean on to God throughout the process when I felt like giving up. And I had to really find a vision for what my project would, would, would be. And so um, I served a church in Houston that's underserved and kind of in a rough area of town. And so whenever I wanted to just give up, I remembered that my project is there to help serve the community and bring a safe place to these kids who can come to this church that I was serving at and potentially hear the gospel for yeah, the very first time. Yeah. And through my project, it, it, they could be converted to Christianity and, and just spreading the good news of God. Um, so good. You know, it's always, it's, it's, it's hilarious to me when we have these conversations about homeschooling and you hear people say, well, how are they going to be socialized and how are they going to learn to live in the world and how are they going to do these things? And I hear you talking about going into an underserved area and serving that area boldly and courageously in the name of Jesus Christ. It's like being a missionary, also engaging the culture and oh, and by the way, I'm also homeschooled, right? Yes. So it's just yes. an incredible opportunity. Yeah. You have to be in the world, but not of the world. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Patty, these are the kinds of testimonies that you guys have been blessed to enjoy over the years. As you look ahead and your vision for American Heritage Girls, where are you guys still going and, and what kind of um, deposit for the glory of God are you guys making here in this country? I just believe there's a remnant that is yeah. going to rise up. I know you share that vision too, oh, Miki, that, that we need a revival and we're going to be able to do it with the young people. Yes. And I'm very excited that Gen Alpha is open. Yeah. They want authenticity. They want real people. They want to know truth. Mm -hmm. And we've been away from truth for so long. So mm -hmm. to hear Hannah's story and to hear how she's gritty, and I, and I use the word grit, 
girls rooted in truth I love with it. grace. And yes. that's what this she exemplifies Absolutely. in every way. And there's girls all across the country that are doing the same thing. And they're doing the hard things. Yeah. And that's what's going to raise up this, this country for the Lord and for the Lord to be blessed again by America. Amen. Amen. The website again, how our listeners can learn a little bit more. AmericanHeritageGirls.org. Patty, thank you so much. Hannah, thank you. I really do appreciate it. You know, as I'm listening to you guys and I'm thinking about where we are and the immense pressure that our girls are facing today, I'm thinking about the struggles and almost this crisis of identity that our girls are facing. All throughout the scriptures, we have these examples of strong women who fear the Lord, like fearing the Lord and following the Lord is not a synonym for weakness. And I'm wondering how you balance that, even as you talk to girls, um, how do you paint that picture for them? Well, you know, they ask questions. The last time I was at a Texas Homeschool Convention in Allen, the question was raised about perseverance and grit. Yeah. And that's why I decided to talk about it this time, because it's on their radar. They know that they feel out of control. They know they want that backyard to know right from wrong. Yes. And they're desperate for it. And so it is a gift. You know, speaking of gifts, we have free ebooks on our website. Okay. Um, three of them. One about raising godly girls against fear and anxiety. One is raising godly girls gender and identity guide mm, and the other good. one is raising godly girls guide to biblical worldview which mm. is the antidote to all these ills and so encourage i encourage all the listeners to get these start conversing with your daughter and talk about these issues so that the noise around them is not the first voice they hear so good hannah just before we go here just back to you if you've got parents listening or maybe they're young girls sometimes we have teens who are listening and middle schoolers who are listening to the program and you know they feel like they need something to be involved in and maybe american heritage girls is an option for them what would you say I would say jump in and do it. Um, it's hard, but it builds character, and that's what it's there for. Um, it builds Christian character, and you can that's find so good. very good community within AHG as well. Yeah, well, this goes back to what you're saying, Patty, that, I, and I love this. I, I really kind of want to circle back in the, in the seconds that we have here, maybe the minute that we have. When we're looking for the easy thing in culture today. And the easy thing is the celebrated thing. It's like, oh, and I didn't even have to do this. And, and, and that's the thing that we're all kind of gravitating toward. And I think taking us back to the hard thing, the investment is so good. You just said it's hard, right? But it's totally worth it. So, Patty, we'll just kind of end with you. You know, what Jesus did for us was not easy. Amen. It was hard, and he is our example. And so doing the hard things are doing the important things. Oh, Patty Garibay, Hannah Reynolds, thank you so much for joining us. This is day two, um, but our final broadcast day because it's Friday. Tomorrow, Saturday, we're not broadcasting at the Texas Homeschool Convention. We'll grab the break. On the other side of the break, we'll come yes. back with Jill yes. Rigby, and Jill will join us. We're going to talk manners of the heart. You don't want to miss that. Can we still raise respectful children in today's culture? The answer is a resounding yes. I don't want to give it away, but absolutely we can for the glory of God. We'll grab this break, and we'll be right back. God is after 
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening. Um, what a joy and a privilege it is for us to meet so many exciting people and to mm-hmm. share and pass on uh, valuable information to our listeners. And we're really excited to be able to do that. We're at the Texas Homeschool Convention. We're in the Woodlands area. This is in the Houston first time being part here. of Texas. Very first time. Pretty um, cool. Beautiful area. Yeah. Beautiful area. Yeah. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And joining us in this segment is Jill Rigby-Garner. And Jill is the founder and chief visionary officer. I love that. (laughs) Chief visionary officer of the nonprofit Manners of the Heart. We're going to talk about her book, Raising Respectful Children in a Disrespectful World. Let me just start by saying this, Jill. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. We have normalized rebellion against Mm -hmm. God's word and his right expectations of us, even as Mm -hmm. Christians. Mm -hmm. And this includes disrespectful children. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about what your ministry and what your nonprofit does, not only in the lives of Christian families, but also in the public school sector, Mm -hmm. that this idea of respect for authority has Mm -hmm. to be kind of rediscovered in Mm -hmm. our country. Uh, That's very true. That really was the impetus for for founding Manners of the Heart. Uh, 20 years ago, we just celebrated 20 years since our founding. And at the very beginning, the height of the self-esteem movement was in place 20 years ago and of course it's continued and a part of that movement um, we were told that we needed to esteem ourselves and that we needed to teach our children to esteem themselves Uh and the truth of the matter is that's no different than sin of pride in the garden Mm. but sin of pride in the garden we understood was a bad thing right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so fast forward 1600s there was a lot of talk about vainglory Mm -hmm. the vanity of self Mm -hmm. we still understood ooh, that's not good right well it finally was reframed and it was called self-esteem but it's the same thing yeah but we all fell for it yeah hook line and sinker we fell for it but scripture teaches us that we are to esteem god amen and we are to esteem others scripture doesn't tell us to esteem ourselves scripture tells us that we're not to think more highly than we ought of ourselves right so good and so as a result of buying into that and we bought into it um i've been on focus on the family and Dr. Dobson had a book at one point about, you know, building self-esteem and building your spouse's self-esteem. Oh, heavens. We want our spouse to esteem us and to respect themselves, and then we'll find the right balance, right? But when we've all, I mean, we all, we've all fallen into that trap. I mean, I did when raising my sons until I recognized the Lord opened my eyes to see we're headed in the wrong direction. And uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because as a result of that, and this um, overemphasis on ourselves, we've fallen into ourselves like a mirror. I call it the mirror of self-esteem. You know, if we hold a mirror in front of our faces, we only see ourselves, right? You can't see through the mirror. So you can't see others through the mirror and you can't see others looking at you. We mm-hmm. wonder why the explosion of uh, everything people are doing to look at me, look at yes. me. Why can't you see me, right? Well, it's because they're lost in the mirror of self-esteem. And the longer you look in the mirror, the worst things get. Either Mm. children, if we're putting the mirror of self-esteem in front of them, either they become lost in themselves and they get self-conceited, entitlement, and the world's about me and what's the world going to do for me, or they fall into self-consciousness, right? And everything becomes bad and everything is wrong and they fall into all those spirals we want to keep them out of. And as a result of this lostness that we captured ourselves into with self-esteem, we lost respect for others 
because, and that's how we've fallen into this trap that we've fallen into now with this disrespectful world. Most of the troubles that I see in the world today, I'm going to trace you back to an esteeming of self and a, um, and that you know the mantra that you hear so much: love yourself, love yourself, yeah. and the world yeah. will love you. Or, or even I was thinking this wow. as you were talking, Joe. Like just believe in yourself. Like this this mm-hmm. idea that that the self is the highest thing that this this me and what I feel and everything else flows out from that we expect people to respect and bow down to that we've made self almost God right the worship of self I love that Miki I often say when we made um, the little s the capital s we made the capital g the little g wow right so we met self replaced God and no wonder the world is turned upside down. Yeah. I mean, of course it would turn upside down. You know, it's on its surface and I think this is why and my one of my favorite words, right, is discernment. And this is why Mm. to be able to engage the culture it requires being steeped in God's word, which produces discernment. It helps us to mm-hmm. understand what we're navigating and the right way to navigate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because on its surface or on, you know, just looking at it superficially, I think there were, would be people who would have had a problem. We've taught our kids for a very long time. No, we don't believe in ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it seems like we're like trying to, you know, demean them. Right. right. But no, we're saying we're, we don't find that in scripture that you're taught to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. We are instructed to put our faith and our trust in the Lord God. Mm-hmm. And so we often say, and I'll get your take on this, Joe. We often say that we teach faith and we mm-hmm. teach belief like we teach fractions. Right. So it's got to be belief in what faith in what? Because you'll find these mm-hmm. mugs and you'll find these T-shirts. It's like believe faith, hope. And we're like, in what? So you don't just walk up to someone and say, give me a third. It's like a third of what? There's, there's got to be something that you're taking this from. And I feel like our culture is so desperate to latch on something onto something that is good that they don't dig deeply into it to find out, okay, is this even biblical? It feels good, sounds good, but is it godly? Is it biblical? Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the root of that, I think if you, if you get down under that, um, I think you really get into this whole um, rivalry, we'll say, uh, that our culture has created between humanism and Christianity. Yes. Because humanism really believes at the root of it that our hearts are good, right? right. They believe right. Good that we're God. born good, yeah. right? Yeah. And that we That's are born good, and you've just got to get down inside there, and all the answers are in there. And if you just dive deep enough and really get to know yourself, Right, then you're going to find all that goodness that you're looking for. And, of course, we know as Christians that it is the total opposite. That we are born with troubled hearts. Come That's on. why we're in desperate need of a Savior. Yes. Right. Yes. right? And our Amen. children, um, one of the little uh, cards that we have at, with manners of the heart to make it clear that parents can see it is it's um, two little diagrams of the heart, and one heart is full of uh, disrespect and unforgiveness and hate and all the horrible negative emotions and then we show that we can help you work to replace those things with respect and forgiveness, right? We flip the heart out. But um, making the point that, but this is what you have to work with when you're with your child. Because mm-hmm. your child comes into the world Come on. with a heart full of all of <laughs> Not this. my child, though, Jill. <laughs> right. My little angel comes here perfect. <laughs> Not my, you mean all the other kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm right. no, very sorry too. to tell you, yes. but you know, mine came into that world and guess what? Yours do too. <laughs> and right. you did too, you know, that's right. That's right. You know, that's your right. parents yeah. had to deal that you came into the world that way too, right? <laughs> But, you 
know, to help us understand. But I think, you know, we were talking, you know, to getting the root underneath all that. I mean, that's what's happened is, you know, humanism and humanistic thinking and beliefs, you know, have taken over, you know, or overrunning, um, you know, the Christianity. Oh and goodness. I'll take you back one more time to my self-esteem. And if you trace it all the way back, Carl Rogers, grandfather of humanism, mm. is the one responsible for bubbling in that self-esteem concept out of the psychiatric and psychological circles, the scientific circles, to tell the rest of the world that we wow. needed in the late 60s, early 70s. Wow. And we should have, right, the red flag should have gone, right. wait a minute, this yes. is coming from the wrong place. Why are we going to think this is it? Yeah. And today's parents... Because, um, I mean, this is the world I live in. Today's parents raising the next generation grew up in this. And so, I mean, it's almost like talking a foreign language sometimes and helping them understand, you know, this was not biblical, you know. And they're like, but this is just a given. I was just talking to parents at another conference. And, I mean, this young father's eyes just... I mean, and he got very teary mm. because he was doing everything he could to build his little girls. And these are Christian parents mm -hmm. to build his little girl's self-esteem and was so afraid not to crush it and was following all and things, but things were wrong. And she wasn't the precious child he was hoping she would be. She yeah. seemed to be getting more selfish and she seemed to be getting more into her what mm. she wanted. And he thought he was doing the opposite you know yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's such it's so but upside it's, it's down using and mm. i think you're touching on something here joe because it's using the world's methods and yet expecting right. godly results mm. like we're not oh, you know right. what i mean mm. it's like not turning to the well word said. of god mm -hmm. but right. then thinking that if i use what the world has prescribed mm -hmm. i'm going right. to get what god has said we can have if we right. go to his word right but right. but not turning to his word yeah. so i want to ask you this then uh -huh. I'm, I'm just thinking as you're talking I'm wondering if, generally speaking, and, and tell me based on your experience here as well, mm -hmm. have we largely forgotten what respect looks like? Like, do we as parents even know what we should desire of our kids? I love that question. <laughs> we did a um, we did a man on the street kind of interview thing one time, and um, it, there was a big festival going on, and uh, at, I'm in Baton Rouge, and we had a big one of our big festivals going on, and I thought, you know. Let's go out there and do a little man of street thing. And we started asking everyone, what is respect? And we just were walking up to people saying, what is respect? You know, we all think we kind of know. Right. And yet when you're asked to put it into words, what is respect? What we kept hearing is really people started describing disrespect. You know, they everybody had, oh, let me tell you about respect. And they had a story to tell you, but it was about a disrespectful incident or mm. how disrespectful our world is and then you push it back and you'd say so give me a definition what is your definition oh of respect yeah and people had the hardest time coming up with something and basically if we kind of put it all together what we ended up the day with is most people came up with it by saying you know well respect is treating others well or respect is being kind to others or respect is you know being nice you know, whatever that means, you know, but um, people had a very hard time with it. And yet, to your point, Miki, and yet they're trying to raise and then we're trying to raise the next generation with respect. And we don't even understand what respect is any longer. So help you know? us, Jill, like so raising mm -hmm. respectful children. If we could mm -hmm. pull a few passages from your book here mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. give parents 
just a few things to think and mull over. By the way, how can our listeners get a copy of the book? Like if they would like to read um, it. It's everywhere. Okay. So it's they everywhere. would just Amazon do a search. Or Christian book. It's Raising everywhere. Respectful Children mm-hmm. in a Disrespectful World. Jill mm-hmm. Rigby Garner. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then give us sort of like mm-hmm. a, you know, what is respect? Like yeah. what, what does it look yeah. like? And, and what should we expect biblically mm-hmm. speaking from our children today? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, uh, respect really is the esteeming of others rather than the esteeming of self. Hmm. Respect really comes from a self-forgetfulness, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, So rather than thinking about, you know, what is someone going to do for me? We want to bring up our children so they're thinking of what can I do for someone else? Hmm. Because out of that selflessness is where respect comes from, right? Hmm. Because it's hard to respect someone if you're thinking about what am I going to get in return, right? That's not really showing respect. Right. And respect is something that the honor, the esteem to someone else, and kind of the catch to it, I guess, is true respect is given without any expectation of return. Hmm. True respect okay? is given without any expectation of return. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. for instance, uh, let's say you're in a, um, let's say you're in a, a difficult situation, and like you're teaching your child almost a bullying kind of situation. You're teaching your child, how are we going to handle this when someone is disrespectful to you, right? When someone mouths off to you or, you know, uh, disses you, like they like to say for disrespect, right? I've been dissed, you know. When that happens, what we're teaching children is you you are to be the bigger person. You're to be the godly person. And you return respect when you're faced with disrespect. Mm. Now, do you talk about a hard thing to do? That's a hard thing to do for all of us to do. I mean, how hard is that to do? But that is the godly response. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. It's the kind answer turning away wrath. Right, exactly. You know, and and, um, it's even more important. And uh, so let me back up a minute. So it's in the this process of respect. So if we want to begin, like we were saying up, up to the top, uh, we want trying to reawaken this and reinstill respect in our society. If we begin to teach our children how to give respect, even in the face of disrespect, and especially in the face of disrespect, while at the same time they're working to become respectable, now they're giving respect and they're working to become respectable. And the giving of respect is how you earn the respect if you're working to be respectable. And it begins to make those wheels turn again, right? Where there's a giving of respect and there's a getting of respect, right? And um, so that's kind of just the foundational piece of it, right? Is uh, teaching children that we're always going to be to give respect regardless of the situation. Another point about it that kind of goes back underneath it a little bit is how are we going to teach our children how to think of others and be have this others-centered yes. perspective. Because yes. that's what we're aiming for. If they have an others-centered perspective, then they're going to look for how do my actions affect those around us? Yes. How am I going to feel? I love that old thing that I always heard when I was growing up. Well, how did that? How does that make you feel? Well, if you if someone said that to you, what you just said to someone else, mm-hmm. how would you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, how would yes. your heart feel? Would yes. it feel good or would it feel bad? Yes. You know. And there's another measure, you know, for for how we're going to teach our children to measure for themselves what they're going to say or what they're going to do, you know, for someone else. Um, It it -hmm. sounds like if I could just jump in, it sounds to me also as I'm listening to you talk, Mm -hmm. Jill, like there is a connection between um, the selfishness 
that we see in our kids. Oh my goodness, it's a break. Okay. And even what we feed, we feed selfishness. It seems that that's directly connected to the lack of respect that we're receiving from our kids today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we, we in about 30 seconds, Jill's like, I'm not going to do it. She's like, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. So we, unfortunately, we got to go to the break. And then we've got Stephanie Lambert on. So we can't continue the conversation. But just kind of closing encouragement, Jill, in 30 seconds to parents who are listening who want desperately to raise respectful children. Um, this is the tough one. Strive to be the person you want your child to become. If you want you to have respectful children, then you must be respectful in every incident and every case that your children see. Because every time you open your mouth, you just taught them a life lesson. Mm. Wow. Raising respectful Amen. children in a disrespectful world. We'll grab the break. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Stay right there. I just want to go. Back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And joining us in this segment is Stephanie Lambert. Stephanie Lambert is sort of like one of those legends, right? Because you were homeschooled. It's like they do exist. The homeschoolers <laughs> who were homeschooled before it was legal. That's right. Your parents traversed the state of Texas, like trying to raise awareness and the importance of discipling our kids and the fact that we have the right to disciple our kids at home. You've yes. gone on, graduated your homeschooling career, yes. and you're perfectly normal. You don't walk in circles. That's what they say. You're social. <laughs> I love it. You're socialized, know how to talk to people. I talk to people. Can talk look to people adults. in the eyes. Yeah. yeah, very good. Do you have a 15-passenger van? I don't. No. Not okay. yet. Okay. Maybe okay. one day. So you're doing... <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. So you're doing well. You are now the executive director of the Texas Homeschool Coalition. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yes. And also, let's see, I saw here and the Family Freedom Project. You'll have to tell me a little bit about that. But I wanted to talk about looking back on the past, looking at what homeschooling once was, and then I want to talk about the future of homeschooling from a homeschooler's perspective who's now also working in this arena. Tell our listeners just a little bit about your family and what you guys did in the state of Texas. Okay. Well, when we were kids, my parents, my dad actually heard um, Dr. Dobson on Mm. Focus on the Family Mm -hmm. interviewing Dr. Raymond Moore. And he came home and told my mom, honey, I think we're going to (laughs) homeschool. And this is back before anyone knew what that was. What was the response? Her response to that was, we? (laughs) (laughs) yeah every mom understood that that's right so anyway they decided they they believed that they could they could do a great job with us actually my oldest brother was young for his grade and Mm -hmm. they didn't want to put him in school so they made the decision one year we'll try it one year we'll try they couldn't find any better option and then they the next year they said one we'll do it another year and we'll do it another year and little by little it became they caught actually caught more vision for for discipling us as their kids as they went and realized they can do a great job that God gave us to them. And then it became a lifestyle. Wow! So uh, they started a local homeschool group in our local community in Lubbock, Texas. Mm -hmm. That was the first homeschool group in Lubbock. Um, And then um, my dad actually became the president of the Texas Homeschool Coalition PAC. So homeschooling wasn't even officially legal yet in Texas. Um, the, The 
there was a, something called the Leaper versus Arlington lawsuit. So all the homeschoolers in Texas were suing all of the school districts in Texas um, for freedom, basically because wow. the Texas Education Agency was putting people in jail for choosing to homeschool wow. back at that time. So my parents um, at that point decided it was worth it. They believed that they, that they were the ones to educate us, to raise us. We had a plan. Like as yeah. kids, we knew that if there was a knock on the door when we were at home, um, being homeschooled, yeah. we would go to the closet or we would wow, go upstairs and we would wait, you know, until we had the alls clear. We, we didn't play outside during school hours because, you know, um, who knew, who knew wow. if the truant officer was going to come by or yeah. whatever. So looking back today, I'm actually so thankful for the pioneers who back in that day, like, you know, the Bible was actually in schools to mm-hmm. some extent and mm-hmm. there was prayer in schools, right. but we had the pioneers that were like, you know, God gave these kids to us yeah. and this is our responsibility and we can do it. And I'm so thankful that my parents and the pioneers with them in those days paved it, blazed that trail for us. Yeah. Because imagine if today with everything happening in the schools, we were just now deciding let's take our kids out of school and let's blaze this exactly. trail. It would be a whole different kind of battle oh, to, right. to get yeah. that freedom. That's right. Because we've gone from like, Shh, don't tell people you're homeschooled to now everybody like it's it's like socially and culturally acceptable right to be homeschooled but that had to start somewhere and it started with you guys running to a closet and like trying to wait and see that the coast was clear before you came out man praise god that you right. did that amen and when we were out my parents weren't afraid too like we would tell people about it so when we were with my parents yeah out at the store or whatever um people would say why aren't you in school and we would say i'm homeschooled and yeah. they would say you are what? <laughs> wow. And today, if when my siblings take their kids out and people say, you know, why aren't you in school? And they say, I'm homeschooled. They're like, oh, my sister homeschools. Right. Or my, you know, right. my friend, or my neighbor. Everybody knows somebody who's homeschooling today. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I love that the genesis of your homeschooling, Stephanie, was your dad's conviction that these kids have been entrusted to us, that we have a responsibility and the Lord believes, right? Or the Lord has demonstrated in that he's entrusted these kids to us, that we're the best people to disciple them and we're the best people to train them. I'm wondering how you lived that out. Like, so growing up as a homeschooler, being discipled, I mean, it's very clear in my meeting you that obviously the Holy Spirit indwells you, that you love Jesus. You have been Amen. discipled. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God, right? So talk about that just kind of through those difficult years, what that was like for you. Okay. Teen years, I'm thinking of specifically. Yeah. Okay. Teen years. Um, well, first of all, my parents um, ran the state homeschool organization in Texas throughout my childhood and growing up. So, you know, discipleship is like living life together. That's right. right. And they say more is caught than taught. Yeah. And that's what we did. My parents brought us into their ministry. So my dad was called into politics, into the political realm. Mm -hmm. We did that with him. Yeah. We would serve in campaigns with him. We would go knocking door to door, you know, telling people about good candidates um, That's awesome. My parents ran the local organization. They ran the state organization. So they brought us into all of that, even as teens. Mm-hmm. And it was part of our ministry, too. It was a family ministry. I even remember, like, other big ministries going on and opportunities to go other places. And my dad is like, we have a ministry. <laughs> yes. Let's yes. do this together, you know? Yeah. So I really think that's key. All of my siblings now, um, all of us are walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. We're active in our communities. I think we were leaders just because my parents were leaders and they lived that out and they showed us how to do it. So we're hosting showers or parties or church events or whatever it is. Just all of us are just active and involved in our community. And that's 
what we live that's what we grew up seeing yeah right? yeah so as teens like my parents welcomed us to have our friends into their home yeah you know what i mean yeah. they wanted our house to be the place that we that's brought our friends yeah and so good. we had a thriving you know social life as teens but it was all like my parents welcomed it at the, and my they were so great too we have this weird game we named spoof ball it's just designed specifically for our roof we, we made it up with our roof and my parents would let us have our friends over where you play this volleyball style game off the roof they would go to bed letting us bounce balls off their roof <laughs> you know and, but they That's just awesome. they they allowed they welcomed that yeah, yeah. and because yeah. of that we we were we were with them and yeah. we saw them the way they lived and we saw their grace and we just kind of took that on so you mentioned your friends um whatever like pressure from like other family members like cousins or you know aunts or uncles that, that didn't understand what you guys were doing was that some pressure there and some like oh hey this is what we're doing here and we're, we're happy about it totally so from a kid perspective i just yeah. remember people testing us constantly like oh my goodness what is this equation right. and two times two yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah uh, answer these kind of questions oh, for really us learning and, wow yeah. Yeah, yeah so i remember and, and being around homeschool friends, too, where you end up being a little bit, um, you kind of like to get ahead of it. There's this yeah. homeschool confidence yeah. that ends up coming out because you're kind of pressured and people are like. Like you have to perform. Right. Like yeah. you have to people show are like, preemptively yeah. that you're smart. Right. They're wondering if this is going to work because right. nobody has done it. That's one of the differences today. Like yeah. we, ha- we have research today yeah. that yeah. shows that homeschool kids actually perform 15 to 30 percentile points right. above their public school peers. Wow. That research is amazing. That really helps a lot with grandparents. My parents, they were having to convince their parents, like, we're yeah. going to do this and we're wow, going to do a good job and it's going to work. And their parents <laughs> yeah. were like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I remember. Yeah. I'll just share the story. And, and I, I hope that mom's not listening. But I remember as we were talking about the fact that we were going to homeschool, we felt like that was something that the Lord was leading us to. Will the great's mom mm-hmm. said, which you're going to appreciate this, Stephanie, because it says a lot. She goes, okay, are you sure? Because I've just always prayed that my grandkids would be smart. And like, hold up a second, mom, what are you, mom, what are you saying, mom? Like, it's just this, this idea that we as parents just cannot do it. But as you say, Stephanie, and rightly so, so much has changed. And now we have data to support that homeschoolers are doing okay. And in fact, they're doing better than okay. I'm curious to know, though, um, after all of these decades and all of the work that your parents have, um, have done, what do you see changing internally in the homeschooling community um, that encourages you and maybe also that concerns you? What do I see changing that encourages and, and concerns me? Okay, well, um, over the COVID years, 2020, 2021, homeschooling boomed. Yes, like prior absolutely. to that, it was growing like 2 to 8% a year. Mm-hmm. It doubled across the country. Yeah over COVID. It tripled in the state of Texas. Oh my goodness. So what do I see happening? I see lots of people and a lot of different kinds of people yes. coming in. So yes. the homeschool culture is mm-hmm. changing. Yes. It used to be like your type A, you know, get ahead of everything, uh-huh. highly disciplined yes. parents that are like going to go the extra mile doing it. And today people are, they, somebody put it well, a, a homeschool mom said that people, we used to be running toward something and now people are running away from something. Wow. So people are, ha- oh, are like being forced into wow. something that that's, they didn't think they could do because they're mm. having to get away from bullying mm-hmm. and, 
low academics yeah, and yeah. they're and, getting and, away. And the infiltration of radical ideologies that attack right. um, all of our discipleship right. efforts. So then let me ask you this, because mm. I love the way, okay, that's that's some great phraseology there, right? So it used to be that homeschoolers, homeschooling parents were running towards something. And what was that? Was that Christ? Was that discipleship? Was that Christ being formed in kids? I don't want to make assumptions. For my parents, it was. It was yes. either hippies running towards some kind of freedom, okay. or it was <laughs> Christian parents okay. who, who wanted to instill their Christian values in their kids. And that's what it was for my parents. Yeah. And so, and today, people coming into the homeschooling community are running away from something. I'm wondering your thoughts on this. Can today, can it be, can it be both or are they mutually exclusive, do you think? Like, what, what's your take on that? Okay, I think it can be both. I think it can, I think it can become both. Okay. So it's good to remember, I think a lot of the old school homeschoolers are like, we did it. We did it the hard way. We yeah. made our own curriculum or That's whatever. Right. These people yeah. can just buck up and they can do it too, you know? Yeah. But, like, my mom remembers, we didn't say, this is going to become our lifestyle. They said, we'll do it a year. Yeah. And then, okay, we'll do it another year. So my heart, the reason I work for THSC and I work with my dad in this ministry is because I do want to help cast the vision for these families. Yes. Like families across America, only since the early 1900s has public school really been the majority thing. Yeah. Such a small time in history, right? That's right. But this is the mentality. Like um, outsourcing your child's education, mm-hmm. outsourcing their, to the public schools, mm-hmm. outsourcing their spiritual development to the yeah. church, outsourcing their, just outsourcing parenting, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah, so what I want to do is these parents that are running away from something. Yeah. I want to help cast the vision it's for... It's an opportunity. This yeah, is an opportunity. opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. You feel forced. I talked to this guy in line after our new to homeschool thing yeah. yesterday. And he's like, we're 80% sure we're going to do it. And I'm like, what's stopping you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, just, it's going to be a huge, it's just going to be a big lifestyle change for us. I'm like, it's good you know that. Yeah. Because more than the academics... That's going to be the biggest difference, that's right. but it's going to be one that's great. That's it's right. It's going to be one that's great. Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, over COVID, we realized that we could do it. And yeah. I think that's a really, I think we're going to look back at this time period in history and be like, wow, COVID woke a lot of parents up. Yeah. yeah. It woke parents up to the fact that they can actually educate their own kids to what's that's going awesome. on in the schools and the curriculum, that kind of thing. And I would say for Christians, it's a great opportunity for the gospel. Amen. Like we should see this mm-hmm. as uh, evangelism. Like you have a chance now through our lives, living our lives among other people to show, you know, the, the, the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And so this is a great opportunity for evangelism. So do you think, Stephanie, that there can be a new culture created in our country? Because you mentioned this outsourcing that just became culturally normative. This is just what people did. Can there be a new culture where no longer outsourcing as the default becomes normative and is also not seen as antithetical to the faith. I think there's some conversation that people um, have where they say, you know, but you're not being out in the world and you've got to win the world. And, and, and I'm saying, and I'll say this briefly because I want to hear from you, Stephanie, but, but I'm saying, yeah, and, and, and actually they're in my home right now. The, the people that I'm wanting to reach so that we can reach the world together they're in my home and I, I want to secure their mask first before I go walk down to the back of the plane and secure other masks. Your thoughts on that? Exactly. Well, I like to think people tell me that people like to talk to me about homeschooling. Random people off the street have this radar for me and they like to talk to me about homeschooling and they say things like that, you know, like I want my kids to be missionaries to the public schools. And, you know, I'm thinking that's good. I want I want 
when I have kids one day, I want mm-hmm. my kids to have a missions mindset. But sure. are you going to send your kid to China right now? Come on. Come is this time? Stephanie. Is your child ready for China right now? And, and in China, they're not all focused on indoctrinating your child. Come too, on. Right? Come on. So what if we pour in, like you only have this, a window of opportunity with your yeah. children, right? This is where it's at. I think God can use the homeschool community. Um, I think he's going to use parents. And when yeah. parents catch the vision for discipling their own kids and that and homeschooling, um, what better way to yeah. do that than homeschooling, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, I think we, I want to see start to see churches speaking this truth, yeah. like empowering parents, supporting parents to do that. Yeah. Themselves. You, you touched on something that I think is vital, man. And I wish we had more time to unpack this, but this idea of outsourcing is not only relegated to the way we educate formally educate our kids, but it's also in our churches. We That's believe right. that it's the church's job to do this work. So man, if we can catch this idea that is present in scripture that the Lord intends parents to rear children for his glory. And man, I think that we could be a lifeline to this culture, that we could be a Amen. lifeline. We could change civilization for the glory of God. Amen. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. We have had an incredible time being a part of this convention. Thank you for inviting us Thanks as for well. Coming. We've loved having you guys. Awesome. All right. We're out of time until Monday. Lord willing. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith, Family, Freedom, American Family Radio. As a federal or state employee, you have the opportunity to support the American Family Association through the combined federal campaign by designating a monthly payroll deduction using 12037. You help AFA continue to fight for your family. So when you complete your CFC form, remember, AFA's number is 